The Print Files, where we bring you the inside story on the printing industry by Print21, the people who know print. G'day and welcome to the latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, the podcast for the print industry from The Print Files, where we dig deep into the big issues impacting the industry each month. This episode is brought to you by Curry Group. I'm Wayne Robinson, editor of the Print 21 Media Hub. And I'm Lindy Hewson, publisher of Print 21 and PKN Packaging News. And welcome all to this latest episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print. Well, Wayne, once again, we have a lot to discuss this month. A good place to start, I think, would be the budget. This is the first for Jim Chalmers and the Australian Labour Party's first as the new government. But it seems, as far as business is concerned, it's a bit of a damp squib. What would you say? Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right, Lindy. There was nothing uh, really in there for business, no real incentive for investment, a little in the way of tax reforms, little in the way of additional skills, skills or training support, uh, nothing in productivity growth. Uh, of course, it was uh, the Labour Party's first budget, so I was playing to its audience. There was plenty in there for, uh, for welfare, welfare support, for aged care support. Uh, encouraging, though, for business charmers, who has actually presided, thanks to the mining boom, over the first surplus since Peter Costello, he did predict that inflation would be back to 2 to 3% within two years, which is great news for everyone, especially in business. And he says unemployment will stay low. Uh, but with immigration set to surge over the next two years, 800,000 people will be coming to the country. The dire labor shortage that printers and most other businesses, in fact, almost all businesses are facing, uh, hopefully will ease. Charles Watson, PVCA, uh, commented on the budget. He said it's not great for print. Uh, it doesn't address the measures we were looking for. It's no surprise, of course, but it's not disappointing. Um, he wanted to see productivity increases articulated. He wanted to see incentivization for business and the skills and labor shortage uh, addressed in more concrete ways. And he says there remains a lack of clarity in how that will be addressed. Well, it wasn't entirely without assistance, though, was it? Because there were the 300,000 free TAFE places. There was the extension to $20,000 and a year of the instant asset write-off and some help for businesses with their power bills. Uh, yeah, they're all, that's all true, Lindy, although none of those is really going to make a big difference to the print industry. Uh, the $20,000 is is good, but of course, there's not that much equipment you can buy for $20,000, um, and it applies to businesses with less than $10 million. Uh, small businesses will get a further deduction of $20,000 if they invest in energy equipment, energy efficient equipment and facilities. Uh, and for those with uh, turnovers less than 50 million, any investment in asset that supports electrification and more efficient use of energy, cooling, heating systems, that kind of thing, they'll be able to deduct an extra 20% on the assets there. All businesses of less than $50 million, which is uh, 95% of the print industry, they'll receive a discount, uh, a payment of $650 off their power bills. It's actually a little comfort, obviously, to those running power-hungry printing presses. And as for the 300,000 TAFE places, well, they'd already be well announced. There was, however, something very significant from the Fair Work Commission this month. Uh, that's right. The uh, shutdown leave situation. And up until now, uh, companies that shut down the businesses, and in Australia, that's typically over the Christmas and New Year period, uh, uh, and people that uh, haven't accrued the leave necessary for that have been asked to take unpaid leave or in fact told to take unpaid leave. Uh, but the Fair Work Commission is now bringing in a new situation where all employees, uh, whether they've got that leave accrual or not, have to be paid. 
so in other words, you, you may have a staff member that has only one, one week's worth of leave left. You shut your company down for two weeks. You still have to pay them for the whole, uh, for the whole period. So that's a, a pretty big new situation. Uh, and uh, it means that uh, company bosses will have to keep a keen eye on uh, how the uh, leave situation is going when they request a company shutdown. So I'm curious, Wayne, what's to stop an employee using all their leave in the weeks before December, then when the company has its annual two-week shutdown over Christmas, then saying to the employer, well, great, that's another two weeks off and you have to pay me? <laughs> yeah, well... Um, Technically, uh, nothing in a sense. Uh, I mean, you wouldn't, you'd hope that your employees would not want to take advantage of you like that. But yeah, technically, they could do that. They could, they could run out all the leave uh, in the in the months before December and say, "Great, another two weeks holiday. Lovely. Thanks very much. Uh, paid for on you." But actually, um, the Fair Work Commission has a, a uh, concept called reasonable grounds, where an employer can refuse a leave request on reasonable grounds. Um, that's already in the in the legislation in the in the commission's charter. Um, the reasonable grounds uh, industry believes would include that situation where uh, an employee requests leave in December, two weeks, which takes up all his leave allocation, knowing that the company is going to shut down for two weeks over the New Year period. An employer could could, in the view of Charles Watson and in the view of the industry generally, uh, refuse that leave application on the reasonable ground that he's just taken advantage of us. Um, but that's never been tested in the courts yet. So uh, whether that would actually stand up in the courts remains to be seen. Okay, well, while we're on the subject of print and money, let's offer our congratulations and those of the entire industry, I'm sure, to Angus McGrath. He's a graduate printer from Note Printing Australia, and he's the winner of the biennial LIA Heidelberg Graduate of the Year Award. Angus is now using the generous $10,000 bursary, which is provided by the Suppliers Association Visual Connections, to further his studies in Switzerland. How exciting. Uh, yeah, Linda, this is a great story and really uh, an encouraging one for the whole industry. See such terrific young people as Angus uh, come through. I was at the event where the uh, awards were presented. Eight great young people from across the country in different areas. And uh, the overall feeling was if this is a talent that's coming into the industry, the industry has a bright future. Several interesting aspects to this story. Note Printing Australia, which, which produces all the banknotes for the country, is one of the country's major manufacturing success stories. It prints the notes not just for Australia, but for countries particularly around Asia and an increasing number of them as the plastic, the poly polyester plates and um, uh, notes that it produces obviously have key attributes that paper uh, notes don't have, notably in the durability of them and also in the increasing number of forgery or tamper-evident or forgery-resistant elements that are in there. Um, so uh, note printing that Angus works for, terrific business, terrific print business, of course. Um, also interesting in this story, at the event that I was at, which was uh, at the in uh, Melbourne, uh, Tony Bertrand there, one of the major sponsors, he sponsored uh, Bradley Purcell, he's, he sponsored the uh, Future Leaders Prize. That was won by Bradley Purcell of MCC, uh, who picked up a $5,000 check uh, to further his own education. Uh, Tony Bertrand, he berated the lack of attendance there from industry leaders, saying that events like this really need to be have the full support of the entire industry. Um, and uh, yeah, he, uh, he gave a bit of a serve there. Well, Tony does have a point, uh, Wayne, because any industry needs to throw as much support as possible to support supporting its young people. We all know that. They're the future. So kudos to LIA, Heidelberg, Ball and & Doggett and Visual Connections in this case. 
coming out so strongly with their support. Industry support is so important. As I witnessed this week um, when I was at the Women in Print, in fact, I was at an event last week, but it's running this week as well, the Women in Print Breakfast Series. There have been six separate events. Each of them has been sold out, record numbers around the country, which is just a strong showing of women supporting women. And the sponsorship that's behind that event is a strong showing of the industry supporting such a great, great initiative. They had the speaker, uh, keynote speaker was Daniel Dobson. She is the author of Breaking the Gender Code. Um, and she had several key messages. Her book was all about how to um, reframe what we have bought, what we have ingrained in us, the code that we all live by, that we fit in a pink box and we fit and you fit in a blue box and uh, nothing in between and no gray areas. And she's saying that from that reframing process, her book tells you how to break the gender code, but from that reframing process, you can create a strategy to put you in charge of your career. And she did say, um, and that was echoed around around the room, there are so many opportunities for women in print, and there never has been a better time. That's great to hear, Linda. Yeah, sounds a, sounds a terrific event. And uh, great to see industry events actually are back and in full throttle. Women in print, as you talked to it, sold out, record-breaking numbers. That's terrific. I'm actually recording this podcast from Festival Global in Munich, uh, which has seen uh, huge crowds yesterday, or large crowds, I should say. Um, we had visual impact in Sydney. 3,000 printers came through the doors. Uh, and there's some good sales off the stands there. Uh, and then D-Scoop in uh, St. Louis gone on. 1,100 printers there, the size of a number from Australia and New Zealand. Uh, you've been at Interpack, the big packaging show in Germany, which ran for the first time in six years. And, of course, the big one, Drupa, is coming in just 12 months' time. Yes, Interpack was amazing. It was fantastic to be at an in-person event again. And while I was there, I took the opportunity, talking of Drupa, to speak with Sabina Gilderman. She's the Drupa director, and um, she was getting super excited about Drupa coming up, but also using Interpack as a platform to start promoting Drupa. So what was her main message? Well, her um, there were a couple of things that she was driving at in that interview, but she said, first of all, there's a huge overlap now um, in between printing and packaging. She said Drupa, which is a mirror of the market, the trends and the technology that gets displayed at Drupa, and she's seeing that the big players who are part of Drupa every year have all diversified or mostly all diversified into packaging and that packaging is a huge market. And that is precisely why she was using Interpack to reconnect um, and to show and encourage people to come to Drupa. She said there were 70 exhibitors at Interpack, 70 that had already signed up to Drupa. Um, and she said that in the coming months, they will be really building up the excitement and momentum around um, what's going to happen there. And she does expect that for Australia and New Zealand, this is still a very important show. Okay, well, yeah, we're all looking forward to Drupa. It's just a year away, actually, not even a year. Um, apart from the specifics of the equipment, Interpac, what were your overall impressions of the, uh, of the show? Well, um, yeah, I won't go into the specifics because that will take us two hours at least. <laughs> but my overall impressions were the show, shows are back. Shows are back big time. There, was, there were no masks or any restrictions, which was really a breath of fresh air. Um, and we had the numbers were up almost as strong as 2017. So I'm not going to lie. They weren't at 170,000, which I believe they recorded in 2017. They were at 150,000. But I did, did 
feel that perhaps there's still a level of caution for some countries traveling in. And currently, let's face it, in Europe, there's a war going on. So let's not forget that. So um, the main themes that we're driving through, and I think that's going to come through all the shows, circularity, so circular economy, me and sustainability and then automation 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 and the blending of those two i had one company that had a um a theme on their stand called greenmation so blending of sustainability with the automation aspect curry group's 2023 training courses are now available and open for registration curry group offers a wide range of training courses across the company's extensive product portfolio Courses range from greenfield through to experienced operators and production managers. The courses can also be designed to suit a company's specific needs, including practical examples of your typical work. Courses are held at regularly scheduled intervals in our fully equipped demonstration center or on site. With our comprehensive training curriculum and hands-on practice, we provide the knowledge and skills necessary to utilize the full capabilities of our product portfolio. For more information, email Curry Group, info at currygroup.com.au. Packaging remains in the news, of course, and remains high on the radar printers, as you said just there. Most uh, people at Drupa, most exhibitors at Drupa, are looking at packaging. The latest Smithers report shows fiber-based packaging is set for sustained growth as a key packaging material. With corrugated, folding carton, liquid paperboard, flexible paper, molded, all forecast for an upswing, according to the analyst Smithers. And the entire market growing by almost 4% CAGR a year, which over five years represents about a 25 or 30% growth. So plenty of opportunity there. Yes, uh, paper-based everything was everywhere <laughs> all over Interpac. One piece of equipment that made an impression at Interpac for me was the new Heidelberg Boardmaster, the Flexo Carton Press, Wayne. Ah, yeah. Well, Heidelberg certainly knows which way the wind's blowing. Um, the the Boardmaster, uh, a, a decent machine. It's, uh, as you say, a flexo machine, a web machine. Um, Heidelberg says it will be printing at 90%. Uh, that means that it's only 10% of the time. It will be downtime for changeovers, whatever. Maximum printing speed, a whopping 600 meters a minute. Heidelberg says international food and beverage brands in particular are looking to combine the print quality of greater sustainability and recyclability, which of course you get from fiber-based packaging. Uh, plastic packaging obviously has got a way to go in its in its recyclability and its sustainability development. So um, we hear that most brands, uh, many brands now look into fiber. We're seeing it at various shows. We, we uh, And now Heidelberg is investing a large amount of money in developing this press. Uh, the Boardmaster, they say Flexo printing is the number one technology in packaging. That's why they've gone down this route. Uh, the press uh, will be available uh, before too long. And yeah, it's uh, interesting to see that fiber, which of course most print businesses are, are well used to printing fiber. They print on paper and board all the time rather than plastic. So for the print industry, it's another uh, opening connection to the packaging market. Well, as we've discussed before, some of the biggest selling confectionery products in Australia, Mars Bar, Milky Way, Snickers, from the Mars Wrigley Group and also KitKat itself from Nestle are starting to look at those paper-based flexible wrappers. And these are developed and printed by Amcor. They are recyclable. They are um, come out of Amcor's Amfiber Performance Paper Portfolio. They comprise FSE certified paper with a thin plastic barrier layer, sealants and printing inks. So that's 
still a level of plastic, but certainly by all standards, that that plastic is so thin, that barrier layer, it can still go through the paper recycling stream. So Amcor says this paper is dynamic enough to be printed either flexographic or gravure technology and uh, finished with a heat seal or cold seal adhesive. So it's a really interesting development. It's one that uh, is being watched closely from global markets. So as I mentioned, very very important because it can still be recycled in the paper stream despite that plastic barrier layer. Yeah, it's, it's, as you said, it's the first time Mars has wrapped its products in paper anywhere in the world, isn't it, here in Australia? Well, it is using Australia kind of as a test market. Um, it's still, nevertheless, a very significant market for Mars because um, those products do sell in large volumes. But the R&D has been developed here and it is using that the insights that they derive from that to feed into the global markets so that they can then uh, use that to make informed decisions about global rollouts for paper packaging in other markets. Oh, fantastic. Um, it's not all good news for packaging, though. Uh, though Amcor, the world's biggest packaging company, has just downgraded its profit forecast by 5%, which knocked 8% off its share price. Amcor doesn't often downgrade its forecasts, Lindy. Is this a serious dent in the projected growth of packaging? An area where, as we were discussing, a lot of printers and print equipment manufacturers are placing so much hope for the future. Well, you know, I would say no, Wayne. The company says inflation is causing consumers to look at ways of making their money go further. So in staples like food and beverage, which is 95% of Amcor's business, this means that the public is looking more towards buying in bulk. Um, obviously because of the savings. So one five-kilo pack of rice rather than one than five one-kilo packs, okay? Um, and for Amcor, that means less packaging is needed. And another factor that they mention is that retailers are destocking the inventories that they built up throughout COVID. Of course, that was an extremely uh, profitable time for packaging companies. So this is a slight turnaround and an adjustment is required. Uh, this will come to an end that destocking practice. So I don't believe there's anything to worry about there. And as for how much consumers are shopping smarter will impact the market and for how long, well, that does remain to be seen. But all the figures in a general sense from all the market analysts for packaging do remain bullish. Yeah, well, that's true. It's good to see. And as I mentioned earlier, because of course, a lot of print businesses are looking to operate in packaging of various kinds. I guess it just goes to show that print business owners need to be aware of all the latest market developments. Um, interestingly, EPAC, the on-demand patch producer that set up in Melbourne 18 months ago and has gone gangbusters ever since, they've just added an in-house design service to its operations, their operation. So they're really looking to make life as easy as possible for their clients, which in many cases include new startup companies, food and beverage entrepreneurs. Uh, and they're basically saying to them, look, we've got absolutely everything you need. You don't even need to design your own product, your own package. We'll do it for you. Yeah, that's a fantastically smart move from EPAC. It's an obvious move as well. And they've got on board some of the good designers around um, Australia who are backing this plan. They've also launched the competition, which is also another clever move because it just creates activity around it. And it's certainly something, if you were a startup and you're focused on making your protein balls, the last thing you want to think about is your artwork and your packaging. You just want to get your product out there, listed and sold. And EPAC is making it super easy. Okay, so we need to move on from packaging, but we can't leave this episode before we've touched on the latest developments in the Australian Post saga. What has May brought, Wayne? Yeah, it's a saga, you're right, but hopefully one that will have a good ending eventually. Uh, the PVCA Mail Industry Coalition 
uh, went through a consultation period and it's just told the government review that Australia Post needs to introduce uh, three key elements or needs three key elements. It needs to introduce pricing stability, it needs to promote business mail, and it needs to engage with industry and stakeholders and the wider community in order to meet the needs of the print and mail industry, particularly in it, particularly in its letters business, of course. Well, there will be more to come on OzPost, I'm sure, and Print21 will be where you can be informed. We will be the platform for that information. So on that note, we're going to wrap up this episode of It's Been a Big Month in Print, and there can be no doubt, once again, Wayne, it's been a big month, and it will continue to be. You're at FESPA at the moment. It's going to be exciting news coming out of there. So thanks, everyone, for listening. We do value your feedback as always, and so it's time for me now, Lindy Houston, to say goodbye. And it's uh, thanks, Lindy, and it's goodbye from this episode of The Print Pulse from me, Wayne Robinson. Thanks to our sponsor, The Curry Group. We look forward to you joining us again next time for It's Been a Big Month in Print. The Print Files podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of Print 21, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Print 21, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact Print21 via their website, that's print21.com.au, or send an email to editor at print21.com.au. You can subscribe to The Print Files via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on the printing industry at print21.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.